Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Welcome to the Animal Files podcast. We have another great guest. Yay! Today, our guest is Christine Milkovic, and she is an author of the gorgeous book, Teddy Loses His Ears. It's a sweet, sweet, sweet book. You're really going to like this one. This one's a cool little story. (laughs) So Miranda, take it away. Yeah, when I found out that you had written a book and intending it to be a series to help children understand about animals better and to understand about different situations in our society, how to deal with them and how to respond to them. I thought this was going to be a great topic for our show. Thank you. I appreciate that. So why don't we start with just giving a little bit of a background on the book, Teddy Loses His Ears, and how that came about What prompted you to begin writing the Adventures of Teddy series? So Teddy Loses His Ears happened uh, organically. We saw this cat online that needed a foster home. And in order for him to get on a transport truck to come to BC and be rescued, there had to be a confirmed volunteer to foster him. And I just... I had my eye on this cat and I, everyone was volunteering to foster every other cat and dog on the webpage. And this one, no one was volunteering. And I, I just thought maybe it's because he looked different. Truthfully, without ears, he looked angry in his photo. <laughs> and oh. when you're looking to bring in um, an animal into your home, I was worried, oh, maybe he'll spray everywhere. Being a feral cat, uh, if he's angry, he might swat at the kids, this and that. So I even I prejudged him, mm-hmm. but I showed the kids the picture and I said, no one's volunteering to foster this cat. What do you think? And they're like, oh, we think he's cute. We need to give him a chance. So we did. And we brought Teddy into the house. And the first thing that happened when I opened that cage door after he was on his long journey from Manitoba to BC, he you know, just started licking my face and kissing me and snuggling and uh, immediately imprinted on me. And I just thought, wow. I thought this cat was going to be a jerk. (laughs) Well, it's history because we ended up adopting him and he's with us now forever. Mm. So cool. Yeah, maybe he felt the energy from you and just knew that you were going to be his forever home. And so he had a positive response right from the get-go, I guess, maybe. Yes, absolutely. And it's um, it was destiny. I feel like now with everything that's happened with the cat and all the stories and inspiration this cat has revealed, I, I honestly believe it was destiny. Mm-hmm. I am under the assumption. Now, I'm going to call it a fact. I think our animals choose us even before we see them. I really believe the animals choose us. And I think Teddy chose you. He was waiting for you. That's why nobody else volunteered to foster him. And the second he saw you, he knew you were his. You're so right. It was meant to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You mentioned in your bio that he lost his ears to frostbite and the temperatures that this occurred and were about minus 50 degrees. Yeah, correct. I, it's unimaginable for us. We live in BC on the West Coast, uh, as do you ladies. And 
it's hard to imagine that temperatures can drop that cold, but mm. uh, I guess it was particularly rare because the the cowboy who found Teddy had actually gone out to the horse barn and the horse trough was frozen with ice. So he actually lifted the horse trough out to chip the ice out of it so he could refill the water for his horses, which apparently he never does. And that's mm. when he saw the cat frozen mm. underneath the horse trough. Mm. Yeah, so. So the universe definitely intervened then. <laughs> <laughs> so many things happened with this cat to to bring him to me. So, mm. so he's he's definitely down to seven or six of his nine lives. <laughs> I'd say. <laughs> that sounds like he kind of gets himself into trouble or something. Yeah, you know, this cat is trouble. Now now he's <laughs> he's comfortable here. So now he thinks he owns the place. I mean, he follows me around like a dog, but and he'll he'll run straight downstairs, sit by his bowl. Yep, feed me, and then he'll run to the door. He's got me trained. Yeah. I let him out, and if I don't let him out quick enough, he'll just give me a little meow swat at my ankle. Like, okay, <laughs> chill out. You know, I got you. I know the drill. You've trained me well. Definite personality there. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> split personality almost. Like so loving and sweet, and then every now and then, just something in his brain is like, wait a minute, <laughs> you're walking by me too quickly, or you know, you're not doing things fast enough at my pace so <laughs> takes the shots <laughs> well we always talk about how animals are individuals they're all different yes, yes. yeah we're all unique personalities aren't we yep definitely you've had quite a few interviews yourself around teddy's story but i found out that teddy has had his own interview on jmnorthup.com oh that's correct <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, Teddy uh, was interviewed as the protagonist of the story, and they wanted to hear things from his perspective. That's so cool. You got that in your hands. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Teddy's translator, so you can feel free to ask me anything. (laughs) (laughs) I speak cat now. (laughs) That is awesome. How does Teddy feel about having his story being shared with the world? You know, I think Teddy's okay with it. I think that's why he's wants to spend most of his day outside morning, noon and night, because he has so many fans that walk past the house. He just sits there on the front porch, all puffed up, chest out. And he knows everyone's there to see him because everyone they walk past and we have cameras so we can actually see and and hear the audio outside. Everybody talks to Teddy. Everyone tells him (laughs) you're so beautiful. Oh my God, you're just the sweetest cat. We've even had children come and knock on our door and ask if Teddy can come out to play. <laughs> so I think Teddy likes the attention. Oh, I'm oh sure yeah. he does. <laughs> Who wouldn't? <laughs> it might be the next grumpy cat. <laughs> Except maybe not the grumpy part. <laughs> yes, maybe maybe one day the next Garfield or something. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? If we if I get nine or ten different books out there of Teddy's story and, and children fall in love with him as a character, you just never know where his celebrity status could go. Mm-hmm. Possibilities are I, I'm actually very protective over it. I'm like, okay, Ted, nothing can happen to this cat. <laughs> He's my everything now. Aw. Precious. <laughs> 
So this first book that you've written, what are you hoping children will get from the story? How, how do you think they will benefit from it? Well, I think it's an impactful story on different levels because I feel like the children really connect emotionally with Teddy because he is a relatable character who has friends and feelings and emotion and has been through stuff. And, you know, he's looking in the mirror and he feels certain ways and people are asking him questions and he's like, oh gosh, people are giving me attention. Is it negative or positive? And, you know, we all have mm-hmm. those self-doubts within us. Mm-hmm. But when he realizes that, you know what, people are asking him questions because they care about him. I think it's better when people, if they don't understand something, they ask questions and they they try to understand something from that person's perspective instead mm-hmm. of like whispering or, or making judgments about them. And because you're always wrong when you do mm-hmm. that uh, to make assumptions. And also, I hope that this actually sticks with kids, the message about uh, bringing your pets inside when it's cold. Like Mm. I know, I don't know if you guys remember when you were kids, there was a commercial on TV with the six pack of rings around beer or pop cans. And then all the ducks were getting tangled up in in, in the plastic. To this day, I cut every ring on my plastic six packs before I put them in the recycling bin, because that made an impact on me. And I know, Mm -hmm. okay, I can be a better human to the environment by doing this. And I'm hoping to create better humans through this story to educate them like, oh, you know, hot and cold issues, you know, can really hurt your pets. So Mm -hmm. maybe that's a consideration to think about before you become a pet owner. Yeah, just because they have fur does not mean they're not going to get cold. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things that we talk about sometimes on our show is the dangers and the risks to the exposures of the environment, the weather, the temperatures. There's a lot of things out there. It's not just the temperature, but there's like so many things that they can be exposed to when they're just roaming out on their own. Yeah, well, they can eat different things like magic mushrooms in the grass or fleas or ticks or bugs, or uh, they might step on something and hurt their paws or get into fights with other animals. I mean, Mm -hmm. ideally, you would want to have an indoor pet. But I think Teddy lived so long, the homeless Mm -hmm. life that she craves sunshine and she craves um, she'll definitely pause at the door and sniff the air and kind of check out what's the weather doing today. But she does have a nice covered front porch and a cozy cushion to to lay on and she doesn't stray far from the house. That's for sure. Mm. That's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, going back to what children can learn, I believe that children are not automatically judgmental and unaccepting. I think it's something that we as adults condition them to be that way. And I don't know how the judgment and how the lack of acceptance and all of that ends up coming about, like where it started in the first place. But I think maybe we project onto our children, like we have our Mm -hmm. own self-conscious fears and doubts about ourselves and, and, you know, lacking confidence and children pick up on that. And I think Mm -hmm. we project it onto them unknowingly, like we do with our fears. You you have a fear of spiders and you freak out every time you see a spider, inevitably your kid's going to grow up and feel that way too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah, so maybe it's a, some subconscious thing, like, like, even as a, mm-hmm. a mom, I make sure I try not to like say any body negative comments about myself or, or anything about dieting, because I don't want my daughter to grow up with mm-hmm. those same thoughts in her head. So yeah, maybe as adults, we can, you know, try to be more conscious of what we're saying as well. Yeah, I think experience goes into it, too. I know when mm-hmm. I was 
a kid, I had a lot of experiences with dogs and it took many years for me to not be afraid of dogs. And my parents, I mean, we had a dog when I was really, really little. So it's not like I didn't have any good experience with dogs. It was just when I was forming my own personal judgments, I had been attacked and knocked down by a couple of dogs. It took a long time. So maybe a child had a bad experience and a cat scared them at some mm-hmm. point. And then that right. gave them the judgment, mm-hmm. you know, on top of what they get from their parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, or maybe, um, you know, the familiarness, like we talked about uh, and understanding the dog, you were afraid of dogs. You didn't know, and you were afraid of strangers, which, you know, in a way you're trusting your gut and mm-hmm. you should be cautious mm-hmm. in life uh, until you build that trust with something, whether it is an animal mm-hmm. or a human. So, yeah, I know that there's a lot of mm, misaligned beliefs, I guess, around certain types of animals particularly breeds of dogs, for example. You know, a lot of people are afraid of Dobermans and Rottweilers and and pit bulls. Well, Mm -hmm. pit bulls have gotten such a bad rap, Mm -hmm. you know, because people think they're such evil. And yet some of the sweetest dogs I've ever known uh, were pit bulls. Actually, a pit bull saved me from dying in a house fire once because, you know, I was like in my 20s and I had candles lit on the dresser, like the Mm -hmm. laminated dresser. Um, And yeah, I fell asleep and those candles Mm -hmm. kept burning, 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 burning. And then all of a sudden they melted and lit the counter of the dresser on fire and the dresser was kind of blocking the bedroom door and the dog just kept barking barking at 2 30 in the morning and I'm like what is this dog bark about I woke up and I see the whole dresser engulfed in flames and, wow. and we were able to wow. get out of the house so <sighs> some of the sweetest dogs uh, I know have been pit bulls or rottweilers mm-hmm. um, my friend had a rottweiler once and we had cats and birds and all sorts of animals in the house and that rottweiler was the sweetest thing he loved any yeah. any animal any humans so mm. I think that's kind of goes where the judgment of looks comes in. Yes. Because mm. the way Roddy's look, the way Dobermans look, especially if they're clipped, mm-hmm. like if a Doberman that's not clipped does not look scary. Right. But a Doberman that's clipped is. Mm-hmm. Roddy's are just big muscular dogs. So the size of them is probably scary. So I don't know, maybe as a society, we just get these images in our mind. And of course, Hollywood doesn't help. And people who wear their animals like jewelry, I always say, Mm. you know, a big buff testosterone filled guy will have a big buff dog and it looks mean. It looks, you know, and so we have these views just because of what we see yeah the mean junkyard dog or whatever and, yeah and you know we see the ears standing up as a as a form of intimidation mm-hmm. or or big muscles as scary and bullying and menacing so yeah mm-hmm. when, when the dog has if the doberman had big floppy ears you know he'd just be another cuddly cute yeah you know, puppy jumping around with floppy ears. But when the ears are up, I mean, it's like you mm-hmm. think they're on alert and they're going to attack. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's too bad. I'm glad people aren't doing that as much anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and just a side note, Dobermans are absolutely cute as heck with their ears. They're yes. so cute. <laughs> so are yeah. Yes. Yeah, so cute. <laughs> Agree. I mean, regardless of how they look, it's still important that they are respected. Yeah. And I think... That's something people need to understand a little bit better as well. 
they may love their pets, but they don't necessarily know how to really respect them. Yeah. Right. By putting them in these different roles of guarding yeah. the house or having spiked collars and putting them on a chain and making them look intimidating. But I actually find how the conversation went kind of funny because how we were just judging these dogs was by their ears. And that's oh, exactly yeah, right. how we judge Teddy. So right. don't yeah. judge an animal by their ears, right? No. <laughs> First impressions are very rarely correct. Yeah. <laughs> I could not agree more. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes it can be, you know, if a dog or a cat or whatever is aggressive or reactive in some way, it's not it could sometimes be their personality, but more often it's due to the experiences and the training or lack of training that they've received. I agree 100% because with mm-hmm. my cat, like I said, Teddy is the sweetest guy. But if you walk past him quickly, he'll just swat. It's like it's an instinct almost. Mm. And I feel like. I don't know his past, uh, as you hardly do with rescue animals, but Mm -hmm. maybe someone kicked him like as they were walking past as he was growing Mm -hmm. up and somewhere in his brain, he still has that reflex. He doesn't mean it, Mm -hmm. but it still happens. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. So before you wrote this book, did you have any writing inclinations prior to that? Or was this just something that sort of just developed on its own? A little bit of both. I It, it did definitely develop uh, organically with the relationship with Teddy and the inspiration from my children's reactions. But I had always talked about writing a book or a children's book uh, throughout my life, but never had I done anything serious. Sometimes I'd be on a a little fishing trip in Mexico and a, and a really friendly pelican would jump on the boat and kind of <laughs> hang out with us on, on our little tour. And I was like, oh, this would make a good children's book, like about this uh, pelican and we could give it a name. And But what would the story be and what would the message be? So I, that was never clear to me until uh, I connected with Teddy. Mm. My cat has entered the room and she's not sure why daddy just closed the door on her. So. Oh, <laughs> Are you okay, baby? Yeah, she was like, why did he just close the door on me? (laughs) She's fine now. We can continue. (laughs) The world must stop for the princess. That is absolutely I I get it. Yeah, it's priority. (laughs) What's your cat's name? Maisie. Maisie. Oh, that's really sweet. Actually, her full name is Maisie May Sparrow because her coloring, she's got one gray eye. So like a pirate. So oh I love that. Like Jack Jack Sparrow. Sparrow. (laughs) Yes. So Maisie May Sparrow. That's her name. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's actually um, proof that I love it because I, I actually had an English Mastiff before we got Teddy, before we started fostering animals. I had an English Mastiff and her name was Daisy May. Oh, oh. So kind of like Maisie May, but Daisy May. Nice. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that Maisie has derailed the conversation, <laughs> let's she does that often one interview she jumped in front of me I was like hello they steal the show or walk on the laptop that's just what cats do yeah (laughs) anyway we can continue yeah so I was gonna say that you know maybe that's another reason that Teddy came into your life because if you already had sort of a little bit of an inclination to write a children's book but you hadn't done so maybe this was supposed to be the push (laughs) yeah I agree I'm telling you Teddy (laughs) chose you he absolutely chose me. And it's funny, I'm part of a book club, me and uh, eight girls that I used to work with like 20 years ago, you know, we all kind of grew apart. 
you've got your responsibilities of you know getting married and being a mom and your children are just all consuming and we're all career moms and eventually instead of just being friends on Facebook and watching you know each other grow up through pictures and social media we just got together and we had so much fun that you know we decided we need to do this. We need to make ourselves a priority and we need to do this more often. So once a month we get together and read books and we had talked about collectively writing a book as a book club. Oh, yeah. Each of us uh, write a chapter about a dating disasters story or something <laughs> like that. So it's funny because we've always had these ideas that we've been spitballing and yeah, who could ever get their crap together to do that though, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, but yeah, so I think Teddy coming into my life was was definitely fate. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Have you always been around pets or been a caregiver in some form for them? Always. My entire life since I was born, we had a cat and then we had other cats. <laughs> and then <laughs> my parents got more cats and then we started breeding <laughs> cats, Siamese cats actually. So Aww. yeah, my parents sold a couple kittens from a couple litters of cats. And then when I moved out on my own, I probably had a year or so without a pet. And then I rescued another cat from a rescue organization. And I had her mm. for 20 years, actually. Ooh. Then I rescued another little kitten during that time. And they were not friends, but they made it work for <laughs> about 16 years. Uh, both of them ended up passing away from different causes when my children were very, very young. Mm. It was a lot of responsibility having two kids uh, in diapers and, and bottle feeding and that sort of thing. So we decided, okay, we're just not going to have a pet it's kind of nice to not have that extra responsibility. But as the kids got older, well, they started asking for a pet. So we tried getting them a fish. Bored. We got them a couple <laughs> of mice. Well, that was fun for a couple of weeks. We'd build little tracks and the mice would race. And then yeah, they got bored with them. And then it's just my responsibility to keep cleaning the cage. Um, so then eventually, uh, well, fast forward to the pandemic. Yeah, we had Daisy May puppy. Unfortunately, that didn't work out. Not because it was a lot of work, but because Daisy wasn't 100% trustworthy around kids. Mm. So we had to rehome her to some wonderful people. I interviewed a ton of people to make sure it was the right fit. And mm. then we started fostering kittens because the kids were devastated when we couldn't keep Daisy because they thought that was going to be their forever pet. Mm. Yeah. So they were really devastated when we had to give her away. But then we got foster kittens. And, and once they knew that the foster animals weren't staying, they were just temporary, they were a lot more accepting of it. So there's been and some growth there with the kids mm -hmm. um, yeah we've even gotten eggs and hatched eggs and, and raised chickens for a couple of weeks so we just kind of hatch eggs and foster them and then give them back to the farm so oh, oh nice <laughs> all fun things yeah hatch butterfly cocoons and I mean there's been animals in and out of this house all the time <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great way for kids to grow up. Mm. Actually, today we just had a snail. My daughter found a snail. She made him a little garden and the snail actually came out of its shell and we were observing it for about half an hour before I <laughs> popped onto the podcast here with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it was fun. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> was it really difficult for your children to understand why Daisy May had to go to a new home? Were they too young to really understand? That no, or? this was only about a year and a half ago. So as much as they loved Daisy, because 99% um, of the time she was a sweet, loving dog, but we also didn't trust her. And she was such a big dog. She was an English Mastiff. So she could mm. jump onto the kitchen table and 
boom, eat their bagel or whatever was on their plate. And it was just, mm-hmm. you know, just she would grab it and it was gone. And she, even when she was playing with the kids, she'd run and kind of bully into them and they would fall over and they'd actually get kind of hurt. So then they'd be like, mm-hmm. why did she do that? And she'd nip at them a bit. So they were a little bit scared of her too. So as much as they were devastated, I think they understood the safety reasons why we couldn't keep mm-hmm. her. English Mastiffs are ginormous. Mm-hmm. Yes. But again, I had friends with English Mastiffs growing up and they were the sweetest dogs. Their kids would, yeah. their kids would ride it like a horse or they would attach a sled to it. The dog would just like pull the kids in the sled. Oh, I mean, this, this dog was, you know, so cuddly. So that's the kind of dog I always wanted because I had a memory of, of this style of dog. But those were also full grown dogs. There's a big difference between a puppy who doesn't know its size and is just kind of gangly and and still a puppy in his brain yeah. versus mm-hmm. a well-trained, full grown adult size English Mastiff. So. And the larger dogs, they're puppies until like three. Pretty much. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know if I could do another year and a half of this. <laughs> <laughs> She was very well trained. I mean, she would not eat unless I gave her the go ahead. And, you know, she was obviously potty trained and she walked well on the leash. You know, she could do tricks, but something about her around the kids. I have a lot of kids coming in and out of my house in the neighborhood and I just didn't feel safe. So I kind of always had her on a tight leash and it made the environment here very stressful. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad she found a home that was more suitable for her. Oh, yeah. She was on five acres of property with another dog that she had to play with. So running Mm -hmm. around burn off all that energy. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Yeah. good. Good. You mentioned that in your past, you were involved with breeding Siamese cats, or was it your parents that were doing that? Well, it was my mom and dad. I think uh, my yeah. cat had two litters of Siamese cats, and we ended up keeping one of the babies as well. So we had the mom, the dad, and one of the babies. Aww. So having been involved with that, what are your views between buying bred animals or buying animals in general versus adopting from oh, shelters yes. and rescues? Yeah. No, I'm very much the adopt versus shop school now. Uh, Although, I mean, I did buy Daisy May from a breeder because I wanted a specific breed of animal. And, Mm -hmm. you know, our family growing up, they just really loved Siamese cats. They thought they were the most Mm -hmm. beautiful cats. So they wanted to have kittens of their own and and have a family of cats. And then also, if people wanted that breed of cat, they could come get it. I mean, I I think they sold those cats for $100. And that was spayed and vaccinated and all that stuff back then when I was a child. So yeah, yeah it, it wasn't like a puppy mill kind of thing, right? It was, <laughs> but yeah, I would prefer knowing what I know now and how many animals out there are in need. Mm-hmm. And I've always had the best pets that were rescue. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, Daisy, I got her something wasn't quite right in her head, but I feel like, and she was raised with love, right? So it's not like I had to win her trust back. She was raised with me with love right from the start. So something just wasn't quite right there. But I feel like with rescue pets, they've been through so much already that there is that understanding and that Mm -hmm. love that you can get from them immediately. Oh, they're so grateful. They're grateful. They're They're appreciative. Yes, I think so. I think no. They're smart. Yeah. Mm. My Maisie, we got her and her brother, just like I was mentioning that animals choose Maisie and Frankie chose us. Actually, I would say probably Maisie chose me because the picture was of her playing with her brother, but she's the one looking at the camera. Um, and her <laughs> brother has since passed last September. He, he was two days before his two-year gotcha day. Oh no, I'm so sorry. But Maisie, she chose us. 
Honestly, I don't think I could have had a better cat for our family. It's just, I mean, I mean, Frankie was amazing too. He was just the sweetest thing. But Maisie with her personality, it's just, you know, the universe kind of conspired and we were able to give Frankie all the love for a short little life. Mm-hmm. And Maisie is just, she is just blossomed here. And yeah, I'm a big believer. Adopt adopt don't shop because these animals are just so grateful i mean she lived she her mom was feral part of a colony and they were just so grateful to be here mm-hmm. i do believe that i wonder how long she sat under that porch watching everyone walk past until she ran out and you know chose you well they they were born under the deck so i don't know how old her mom was you know with most rescues you don't know their history but she was nine weeks old so her mom chose the deck right to have her babies because it was safe from i guess the rest of the colony and luckily she chose a deck with the lady who was kind and was feeding them. And then once the kittens got to be nine weeks old, she had her friend help her home them. Right. And there's three kittens and we took two because oh. a third one wouldn't come out from the deck. Oh, damn. Yeah. We're actually fostering kittens right now. Aww. Yeah. So um, we thought we'd give it a try. We've had Teddy for a year now and she felt very comfortable here. So I thought, okay, it's time. Uh, maybe we'll try fostering some kittens again. But Teddy is not happy. No. <laughs> well, he doesn't get all the, he doesn't get all of the praise anymore. Yeah. So the kitten the cats are quarantined into another room anyway for safety right but they're actually still there for their own safety (laughs) from teddy because uh teddy's outside most of the day so the kittens can then come out and have the run of the house but when teddy comes inside they have to go back up to that room where their litter box and their food and and their beds are and their toys yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know if we'll be able to foster again just knowing how much it stresses teddy out like as soon as teddy saw that cage that i brought in from the rescue Mm -hmm. center with the cat in it she lost her mind and I think it's PTSD she saw the crate she smelled the cats and she you know started thinking what's going on so it's, oh. it could be it could it could also be that she just likes being by herself yeah you know there are cats that are like super super social and there's cats who just want to be the queen of the house mm. the funny thing is that she is very social with humans like I could have mm-hmm. 50 people in my house She's right there. She's hanging out. But other dogs, cats, now she's not a fan. And we have very friendly cats in the neighborhood that, you know, just right across the street there and there. And they come over just to check her out all the uh, time. And, and Teddy is like, nope, get off my property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, females tend to not be very accepting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Especially other females. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think Maisie will be an only cat as well. <laughs> yes, probably. What do you feel is the benefit of fostering animals? Oh, there's so many benefits. So even if you don't want to commit financial financially, the rescue organization usually helps you with getting started, like the litter box, the scoop, toys, food, they pay for the veterinarian bills. So you can have the animals looked out for medical conditions before you commit to adopting. Another benefit is, I don't know, if you have kids that get bored of other animals, I mean, the most fun thing for kids is they get to name them all Mm -hmm. and they get to play with them and then they get bored and then, you know, you can send them on their way Mm -hmm. and you know that they're going to happy homes and you're giving them a warm transition in the meantime. Mm -hmm. And the biggest benefit is if you're looking for an animal for yourself, 
you kind of get to try before you commit. Mm -hmm. Does this animal work with our lifestyle? You know, is he good with the kids? Is he good with other pets? So you kind of get to get more of an idea of what that animal is all about. Mm -hmm. That's really important. Knowing if an animal fits your lifestyle. Yes. Yeah. Because I think, I don't know how many people out there do this, but they just decide, oh, I want to have a cat or I want to have a dog. And then they just look to see which one looks the cutest. And they usually, I think they typically go for kittens and puppies because they want a young animal as opposed to an older animal. But a lot of people probably don't realize just how much work a young kitten and a young puppy is, (laughs) how much responsibility there is. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I I know I didn't. It was it was eye opening for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I slept more than four hours a night for like at least six months. Yes. Or, or that kittens like to climb things. So all of a sudden you'll just get like a flying, you know, and then it's like this claws in your leg and it just climbed you like a tree and you're like, Oh God, oh, it's, it's in my hair. You know, you just, <laughs> you forget that they're so playful and they're zooming around and bouncing off the walls. It might be too much for some people to handle. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this is something that you are planning on including in one of your books, I think, but it's something just that people in general have to deal with. And that's the inevitable loss of their animal companion. Have you found a way to be able to help yourself and your children or children in general in how to deal with that loss? Not yet. Of course, it's definitely ideas that are swirling around in my head. And I think eventually we'll get to a place in Teddy's adventures where we will have to tackle that subject because mm-hmm. Teddy is actually a lot older than we thought. Teddy's about seven to nine years old. Oh, mm. So I think that's definitely something that we're going to have to cope with in, in the next 10 years or something. So mm-hmm. those thoughts are swirling around and, and how is the best and most appropriate way to talk to your children about that and um, deal with that as a family? I, there's important mm-hmm. lessons there too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the worst things that parents can do, and I know that their intention is that they want to protect their children, but it's when they don't deal with it and they make up stories and say all these different things and just don't deal with the actual reality of the situation. Yeah, exactly. That causes more harm. And that's part of uh, the message in the books is ask those questions, have Mm -hmm. those conversations. And I will be touching on the word euthanasia in, in one of the books coming up. And if parents choose to have a sidebar conversation with the kids, that at least will open up that topic. And and Mm -hmm. whether I explain it in the book or I just touch on it and then it opens that door for conversation Mm -hmm. with families, then Mm -hmm. that's great. Awesome. I think what you have started is amazing. I think that it's going to help children and society in general, because as they become adults, they're going to learn how to be around other people and other animals and how to understand them and the acceptance part and all of that and not look at differences with such negativity that it'll open up their curiosity more, I think. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of your series as you expand on them. And I think there's going to be some great messages 
out there for children. Thank you. Yeah, we are trying to approach various topics uh, gently and let the kids kind of explore that through the cat's eyes, but uh, Mm -hmm. it's something that they can relate to. The Mm -hmm. next book will be um, uh, touching on diabetes. Mm. Uh, It's called uh, Teddy Loves Spaghetti. So it's kind of uh, alternative to food-based rewards and maybe toxic things that you should not feed your pets, Mm. reading nutrition labels. Awesome. Yeah. So different things there again with pet care, but also ties into life lessons for children and, and things that they might see um, other friends dealing with mm-hmm. and struggling with. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank All you. Right. Well, it was so wonderful having you. Where can people buy the book? Where can they find you? Oh, they can uh, find me on my website at uh, www.christinemilkovitkraus.com. They can buy the books through there with links uh, to Amazon, Barnes and Nobles or uh, Chapters Indigo. But yeah, they can find me on my website or they can just Google Teddy Loses His Ears and find our lovely interview together and (laughs) (laughs) maybe click the links after the show. (laughs) Yeah, well, we're going to have all the information on our show notes. Anything before we let her go? Just wanted to make sure on your website too, people can reach out to you if they want to connect with you in some way. Yeah, they can. They can subscribe to emails and they can email me and they can learn more about Teddy and Teddy's story and see um, Teddy in real life pictures. Yay. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, good luck to you and good luck to the first book and the inevitable great luck you're going to have with your second and every book after that. (laughs) Thank you so much. It was wonderful talking to you, ladies. Yes, thanks for joining us here on the Animal Fire. Yes, thank you. Come back again. I will invite me anytime. I'd be happy to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll let you go. Thank Have you. Have a wonderful night. Oh, good you night. too. Bye. Bye. Well, that was a great interview. It was so fun chatting with Christine, and I hope you all go out and grab her book because it looks cute as hell, and the storyline is precious. It's definitely going to be a great read for your kids. Teach them something along the way. And if you like more of these types of interviews, let us know. You can email us at theanimalfilespodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is the Animal Files Official and our special community where you can directly interact with us is the Animal Files Community. We are also on Instagram at the Animal Files Official, Twitter at the Animal Files. See, we're everywhere. And we also are on Patreon. So if you want to become a patron and support the show, we would love that. And we can give you more and more great interviews. We can make sure our sound sounds awesome for you and clear because Miranda and I are opposite sides of North America. So it's always good to have good tech and Patreon helps. We also have merchandise, which you can go to by going to our website, theanimalfilespodcast.com. So lots of places for you to reach out, lots of ways for you to connect with us and let us know your thoughts. Anything else, Miranda, before we sign off? Just let us know if there is any topics that are dear to your heart or that you've got a burning question about that you'd like us to cover and we'll get that put together for you. Yes, because this show is about you. Actually, it's about your animals, but it's about you and your animals and how you guys can thrive and have great relationships together. And with that, we will see you next week. Bye for now. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.